Hello and welcome to Machine Centric Science. My name is Donnie Winston and I'm here to talk about the fair principles and practice for scientists who want to compound their impacts, not their errors. Today, we are joined by special guest Shreyas Sholia. Shreyas is currently at the Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory in Berkeley, California, United States. Welcome to the show, Shreyas. Hi, Donnie. How's it going? Good. So, Shreyas, why don't you give our listeners just who might not be familiar with you just a little bit of, of an intro about your interest and involvement in research data management and, and FAIR related things and essentially why I'm excited to have you on the show today. Sure, I'll, I'll be my own hype man here. No, um, so I, 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 uh, I lead a software group at Lawrence Berkeley Lab. We work with teams of scientists who have data management, data workflow, data lifecycle issues that they're trying to solve. And so we work closely with a lot of these science teams and science projects that are trying to wrangle data in all of its forms and help them build software and infrastructure and services to make their data work in some ways for them. And so maybe a couple of projects that might help highlight some of this. So I did a lot of work with the Materials Project, which is an online database of materials properties that are simulated and made broadly available and searchable. And that's, I guess, how I know you, Donnie. Okay. Um, and so the Materials Project was one of our big projects that started in uh, around 10 years ago on, on the time frame, and it's still going. Um, I'm also working on a project called ESS Dive, which is an environmental sciences data repository where we store data sets from various earth and environmental scientists and make those broadly available to the public uh, using some of the FAIR principles. And then most recently, I've just started as the technical lead for the NMDC project, which is the um, National Microbiome Data Collective, and that's putting together a lot of microbiome research data. And then again, there's a strong FAIR component to that as well. Okay, wow, great. You mentioned a little bit about life cycle. It's a word I've, I've heard thrown around and people have different models around what is the data life cycle and what does sort of that mean to you and how does that relate to workflows and how people might manage their data? Is data managed differently in different parts of the life cycle? And what does a typical life cycle look like? I think some of this is extremely uh, domain specific and it was very much about how different domains are collecting data or generating data or, or what have you. So I don't want to be too prescriptive about this, but maybe some examples might help illustrate what I'm talking about. So let's start with the most general case. I think the idea here is you have a project that is in many cases, collecting data from some sort of an instrument. So this would be a sensor if you're out in the field for cosmology. This could be telescope data. This could be light source that is shooting x-rays at things and generating images that way. This could be biological samples from the field in the case of a lot of these uh, genomics projects. So there's a pretty wide variety of scientific data, which takes on different formats. And there's different things that need to happen to the data once those data are collected. And so what you have is all these instruments potentially collecting data. In some cases, there's virtual instruments. So in some cases, like the materials project, they actually have simulations that generate some of these data sets. 
So there's the initial sort of data collection phase in whatever form that might be. And in some cases, there's a process around just collecting that data and specifying the conditions under which that data might be collected. And so there's the workflow component of generating and collecting the data. So in the case of instruments that are collecting data from different locations, you would have data around how that data was collected, some provenance information, some information about the processes, as well as just more detailed information about the data that's being generated. So there's metadata around that data collection. There's a set of processes that go with generating the data sets. Now that's typically the raw data. And depending on the volume and the type of data we're talking about, there are potentially further steps that happen downstream. In some cases, the raw data collected are so massive that you can't really store all of it and you can't really deal with it. So in some cases, just onboard processing that happens on some of these instruments that might decide if something needs to be kept or not kept. And there's a whole area of research around edge computing and how much computing is needed on these instruments to decide whether something is good or bad. But once that data gets collected, it then gets pushed to some sort of a central location. Again, all of these things, you will have special cases, but this is sort of the most general case where the data then gets sent somewhere. It then goes through some sort of processing and filtering and harmonization in a lot of cases. So depending on if you have different data sets, you want to kind of standardize the formats and standardize the pieces of information that are being stored. You might want to have the data exist in formats that are more suitable for whatever processing needs to happen on that data. So let's say you collected raw data in some sort of tabular CSV format but then for the processing afterwards, you needed to store that in some sort of a multidimensional array. So that could be in an HDF5 file or a NetCDF file. Those are file formats for multidimensional data. And then you would do some sort of analysis on that and then generate a data product that goes with that at the end. And alongside this whole process, you're potentially collecting and generating metadata that goes with these data as they go through the different steps from collection to analysis to post-processing cleanup. And then finally, a lot of cases that data then becomes available to the broader public so that people can then consume that data, reuse that data. In some cases, the data is effectively being used to verify other experiments. So there's plenty of downstream uses for that data. But the idea here is you've generated the data, you've done some analysis, you've done some post-processing. Now you want to make that broadly available. So that's where you have a whole bunch of services to make these data available and to make the metadata available and, and useful. And that's where the FAIR principles come into play once you have that data more widely available for use, then you want to be able to make sure that that data is actually useful along these different dimensions. Does that help? Oh, yeah, yeah. That really I feel like I was talking for a long time. Oh, no, that was great. Yeah, I think you outlined, it's difficult because it's different in different domains, as you mentioned, but there seems to be this flow of collecting a lot. And then maybe I like that you pointed out in certain circumstances and certain domains, there's just a fire hose of data at the source that really can't even be formatted and analyzed then you have to like with low latency filter what's probably not <laughs> worth analyzing so, so some sort of limiting and then you have the storage and then you can take your time a little bit more in terms of 
putting something to various formats for various analysis tools and doing that, and then eventually maybe publishing it. You also mentioned provenance. I'm wondering, one of the things in the FAIR principles, R12, is about provenance. And is there a specification that specifies metadata fields describing the origin and lineage of data and other data objects? I'm wondering if that's still domain-specific or in the interest of interdisciplinary work, have you seen anything that's some broad way of people describing the particular terms they're using in what was done is specific to their field, but maybe the overall formatting yeah. of how you describe this life cycle and lineage is shared? Or what kinds of standards have you seen of groups recording this life cycle and process? Yeah, I think it's almost always highly specific to a project at the collection level, because a lot of that is really just determined by the instruments and the vendors that are <clears throat> putting these instruments together. And so a lot of times the sort of standardization of provenance happens a little bit further downstream. I've seen some stuff around, there's a few different standards for data provenance. I'm trying to Google the ones that we, so ESX Dive in theory has support for, like there, there is a like, W3C PROV standard, PROV, and a bunch of things branch off from there for different types of things that you're trying to do and different, depending on your use cases. But yeah, I think there are some of these standards that are out there and there's some work being done to kind of try and get people to come together on some of these things. There's also, this ties into things like ontologies and data yeah. standards. And again, it's much easier to get buy-in from within a domain and have people kind of agree on this is the standard we'll use here. It gets much harder once you start to cross domains and once you start to try and tie different vocabularies together. But to some extent, I think that's kind of why people are so excited about FAIR data and, and what, what really is the sort of the bigger picture challenge that FAIR is trying to solve, which is really about machine-readable data with some context that can then, you can pull in data from different sources and potentially be able to start looking at them with a common context in mind. Right, right. Another thing that you mentioned, it seems like for a lot of people, the FAIR considerations come in at the very end of a life cycle of a project where they're kind yeah. of thinking about publishing it. And there has been some talk about fairifying from the whole thing within. And it seems like one impetus for that might be if you have branching within a life cycle. Do you see anything? like that, where maybe at the collection stage of a project, you might fork and one group might do some analysis, another group might do another analysis, and they're using the same data that would indicate this need for interoperability and machine actionability. Yeah, yeah, no, I do. I, I mean, I think that there's a, so I, I think that there's two answers to that. One is I think maybe what that really means is that this publication step, so to speak, just needs to be pushed further upstream so that the data that different groups are using have already been through um, some level of interoperability standardization before the groups are using it so that they can then down the road, if they need to bring those data sets together, that's possible. And so maybe, and this is where the data lifecycle is not sort of a single thing, right? It could be a number of different things. And so depending on the use cases, it may be appropriate for data standards and harmonization and metadata to be sort of collected in a consistent manner for those things to apply right after collection. If that data is then going to see different sets of users doing different things with that data, 
And then those people can then apply additional tags and metadata based on the work that they're doing. So maybe this is my roundabout way of saying, yes, I think it's probably useful to apply these standards earlier on in the the process, but some of that is very much dependent on what the use cases are. And maybe it's just conceptualizing the data lifecycle as being not so much a linear thing as it is just a bunch of different steps that could be applied to the data at different stages. And really any of those steps could happen at any time, depending on what the uses are. And it's just always feeding back on itself. So Yeah, yeah. I've heard about this one project called Research Equals, and they're trying to do something like that with publication where you might publish different parts of a research journey and have DOIs. One thing that I'm interested in for you personally on your tool belt, in terms of actually expressing metadata, what language you might use to express that technically, apart from paragraphs of English, what do you find yourself going to in terms of actually representing metadata in ways that make it programmatically useful and accessible? And what have you found to be helpful in the projects you've worked on? Yeah, so I think really it's less of what I found to be helpful so much as what prior art there exists in a given scientific domain. Mm -hmm. And with data standards and standardization and whatnot, it's probably much more useful to... There's the XKCD cartoon where there's... And standards and why do we need another standard? Oh, look, here's another standard. So rather than trying to devise your own standard, I think the most useful thing is to listen to the community, see what's already out there, see what they're already using, and then try and adapt that to the the project at hand. There's some broad tools using JSON-LD and that sort of thing to be able to describe, structure your data. And I think that's been helpful for a number of different projects. ESS Dive uses something called the ecological markup language or ecological metadata language. It's called EML, and it's broadly useful for a lot of earth and environmental science data. And we've also done basically a JSON version of that. There's other metadata things that are driven by some of the broader standards organizations as well. And so there's Organizations like Datasite and Anosti and folks like that who are collecting some of these metadata and making them broadly searchable via identifiers like DOIs, and they require you to collect certain metadata and they have their format. So Datasite has some definitions for how you could set up your data using their standards. There's things that schema.org is doing. There's a number of these things. Ideally, what you want is to have some level of you pick what makes sense for your domain, and then you make sure that there's some interoperability so that if you're picking something and someone else is using something else, there's a way of translating between those two things. I think the other thing that I'm seeing is that there's a little bit of a disconnect right now between what is kind of broadly searchable metadata and things that you can surface and things like Google dataset search and whatnot, which are very high level, almost bibliographic, and maybe some basic metadata that describes these data that can cover a lot of these things, but then each domain tends to have a lot of detail that gets obscured by these high-level specifications. And so there's a tension right now with some of these broader working groups that are really focused on fairly high-level relationships, and then some of the more detailed vocabularies and relationships and things that exist within the domain 
that really only makes sense within the domain. So there's people who are working on standards within those domains, but then how do you take those and then apply that to a data set that was collected in a different domain, but might be relevant? And I think that's where we're seeing some interesting friction, but things that could also lead to some interesting solutions. So to be more concrete, I work in both an environmental science project on SS Dive and the biosciences genomics project that's an MDC. They've got very different metadata standards that they're using for those different efforts. And there's some talk around interoperability and trying to come together in some of these things and how you identify samples and things like that. But but things that evolved from different spaces, it's interesting to see how they're trying to come together now. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I, I see what you're saying where I'm imagining this subsumption hierarchy of vocabularies and to the very top, you might have what the journals are using or, or data site or things that are generic, like title, date, and things that everything has to have or whatever. And then all the way down, you have these subfields, but the middle is maybe not as filled out. Like life sciences might be integrated under something, but sort of I have some friction and so well and it's not even that it's not filled out so much as it's just that there's a point at which there's sort of a fork that things start branching out into subdomains and that there's not as much harmonization across those subdomains mm-hmm. so, so okay. I think it's filled out up to a point and depending on how close two areas are and how much they've worked together there may be some overlap and then at some point that starts to be le- become less and less and in some cases there's useful data that actually could be cross compared and linked but there's just you know right. needs to be worked on to make that happen and again i think that's what the, the point of these fair projects is really to move things in that direction so i think these are conversations that are starting to happen it, it, the holy grail is to have all of this data just be sort of where everyone can look at everything and everyone can talk to each other. And then it's all kind of, I know this is this. In this data set, that's what this column means. And that's what this field means. And that's how I can compare these two things. Uh, But that requires context. That requires understanding that just because I have two things that might have the same unit, there's other aspects that might not be comparable in the same way and that they could be collected at different resolutions or different scales, different temporal scales. There's a lot more to harmonization than just making sure things are in the same unit, I guess is what I'm getting. <laughs> yeah, I found that as well. So this, this we're sort of diving in deep of interoperability, the idea of knowledge representation language, structure vocabulary, semantic models, and how do you actually make qualified relations between things? I know you've been involved at the service layer, the accessibility layer of a lot of these things. And I'm wondering if you have any comments on existing solutions or systems you've worked on in terms of either communication protocols, like like how to actually get things back and forth, or or if you're more interested in authentication and authorization within that space, or the other thing would be persistence and preservation. Like how do you ensure that something someone looked up is going to be accessible and maybe the metadata is always accessible? Issues of, of access and and making things accessible and that sort of thing. Yeah, so I think all of those things are part of the equation, right? So I think broadly, we've, let me take the authentication piece out of the conversation a little bit because I think for the most part, a lot of the systems have some level of authentication built in depending on what kind of access you want. Ideally, you want things to be open, though FAIR doesn't automatically imply that something is open because there could be protected data or data that's under HIPAA and then things like that. So you 
they'll want the other parts of FAIR to apply there. But again, I think authentication, there's a set of protocols with things like OAuth and OIDC Connect and those sorts of things where you there's a plausible path forward for a system that you're building where you can apply these well-implemented set of authentication protocols to make things easier for the user where they have some identity, they're applying it, they can now access their data. You can use a standard set of keys or tokens that are, again, well-defined in these specifications for granting different types of access. So I think that's a relatively well-understood space and that maybe some of the implementations are lagging behind, but I see that as being more, we seem to have come to some sort of consensus as a broad community on how these things work. Rather than in the interoperability space, that seems to be very domain-specific and there's a lot of issues with that. Do you feel like things are more unified in, in the accessible space or are there certain domain specific ways of accessing or right right i think broadly at this point on some level it's all the protocols that we're using are all just http so that problem is more or less solved i mean sure people might do more weird esoteric things to serve up their data but largely the conversations around fair data and accessible data have to do with can I pull this data via some sort of an HTTP service? And even if I don't, if, if it's some other protocol, then I'm starting with HTTP and then it maybe redirects me to something else that does that. So I think at the base layer, we've got the HTTP protocol, which we seem to have all converged on as a way of operating in the modern world on the web in general. But then there's other things like REST for API-driven access, and there's different ways of crafting web APIs for data access. There are standards like OpenAPI, which seem to be fairly broadly adopted by a lot of projects. And so even though there's different ways of implementing APIs, I think there seems to be some general understanding that you would have an API to make your data accessible, especially in the context of machine-readable data and that sort of thing. Um, So there's that side of things. I think the piece that gets lost sometimes is that FAIR in general is mostly about machine-readable and machine-actionable data. And a lot of people conflate accessibility as human accessibility, and that's maybe part of the equation, but I think there are some misunderstandings and that the FAIR principles, that the driving force here is more about machine readability and machine interpretability of the data. And so from that context, just having things in the HTTP protocol and then having a well-defined API that things can start using, and there are some of these standards like OpenAPI, I think that helps a lot. Um, I think you maybe had another question in there. One thing I was wondering in terms of access, OpenAPI does standardize on the format of how you explain something. But for example, I know that in material science space, there's been a big effort among materials, at least computer materials databases, to have one API that is, I believe, specified with OpenAPI. But I guess it sort of gets into the interoperability things where a lot of the issue is that we don't want lots of people making their own APIs. We want you to go to this server and ask for a structure and everyone means the same thing by that or they translate to it. Is that part of that layer? Yeah. I think yeah, but I, th- I think that one's tricky because it's a little bit of a moving target in terms of how you, where you see scientific value occurring, right? So if you think of scientific value as, I want to be able to have a common way to look at all the data that's within a domain, that sort of assumes that at that point, you've got a fair amount of agreement on what the data looks like, what the metadata looks like, what sort of things are interesting about different data sets that are being collected within that domain. But 
some of what work that I think the broader fair principles are trying to move science towards is this idea of, well, what happens when you have data sets that are generated in different services in different domains? And you can have some higher level protocols where you can agree on how you pull the data, but so much of what matters is at the metadata level and at the specification level. And if that's different for different domains, which it will be, having the one API to rule them all doesn't really make a lot of sense. Or maybe it does, and it's just a very generic API at that point and hands everything off to the lower level metadata format and services to deal with the dirty work. So either way, it's an API that doesn't do a whole lot and hands things off or starts to become increasingly intractable in terms of trying to solve everything. So I think there's a, yeah, it it, it gets harder once you're crossing domains, maybe within certain domains where there's a little bit more agreement in terms of what kinds of things are useful. There's more scope for common APIs there. Thanks. We're getting about time here, but I did want to get into the findable stuff a little bit. I'd like to uh, ask if you have any Thoughts on the state of identifier services and that whole space. Are we done? Is that solved? What are open issues and being able to persistently name things and refer to them and mint those things and pass them around? What have you seen that's... Yeah, I think at the highest level, DOIs are great. DOIs do address a lot of sort of long-term preservation needs where you have a digital object. You can generate a DOI and there's a set of services that issue these. They have a set of APIs that they expose. So as a service, I can go out and get some identifier to attach to this object that I have. I think that the trick is with DOIs, these are really things that are largely meant to be persistent over time and things that you're trying to make available as a long-term resource for things to be available. And so that part of it seems to be in a relatively good place. There's lots of things that need to be worked out and down in the weeds in terms of like how different organizations handle DOIs and and that sort of thing. But there is a path for a project that needs to have persistent objects. They can go out and get these DOIs, generate them in a consistent manner and continually assign them. It's on the project at that point to maintain the persistence of it and to keep the records up to date in the central DOI registries. But that's on the project to some extent. There are though... A lot of identifiers that are kind of not DOI level identifiers. So you want to maybe keep track of individual pieces of data or information where the DOI maybe addresses a data package, a data product that I can use to cite something. But then I want something a little bit more low level for tracking and provenance and just more on the scientific workflow. I want to make sure that this thing that I used in this analysis is the same as this other piece of information that I use in this other analysis. And it's down to the level of the individual datum where here's a row in a spreadsheet or a single JSON object that I want to refer to. And I think that that's where there's a lot of stuff happening in the, in the bio sample, environmental sample space. There's this thing called IGSN, which is like international global sample number or something like that. So there's that, but yeah, the, there are a few of these standards that are starting to evolve if, to address specific needs. But I think, it, again, this starts to get down to each domain out of a specific pipeline that they evolved and would assign identifiers things. that There are people that you should talk to about it who spent their lives dealing with the stuff. So this would be a good time. If you have a chance, I think it might be useful to 
talk to someone like Chris Mungle, who's done a lot of work kind of, you know, okay. yeah. this is, this is great. This gets into our final thing, which is I wanted to close with, do you have any advice for our listeners about fair stuff? And also who should I invite next? You don't have to answer that because you've already mentioned Chris Mungle, but if you want to throw out another name, yeah. you can. the other person that I think if you have, he's very busy, but he does a lot of interesting work. So Matt Jones, who was behind a lot of the Data One work, which is the Data One network of the Data Federation that, that crosses different domains. They've built a lot of services around providing fair data for a lot of different projects, for data replication, preservation, identifiers. They cover a lot of it, and we collaborate with them on ESS Dive. He would be a great person to talk to if you can. Okay. <laughs> and then I guess I think the more general thing is Really, it's never too late to start thinking about uh, coming together and, and trying to standardize your data. So please do start thinking about it, but please also spend a lot of time seeing what's out there and trying to work with existing standards and trying to be a part of the broader ecosystem rather than doing your own thing. So I think that to me is a good place to leave things out. Oh, the other suggestion for someone to talk to slash more of a link to a cool, useful thing that might be worth checking out is this thing called frictionless data that I've run into recently. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That seems pretty interesting. Right. Um, and Chris Mungle and I were talking about this as being a possible thing we might want to look into for some of our projects. It covers a lot around data packaging, data standards, schemas, all those sorts of things that feed into fair metadata. Okay. Thank you, Shreya. If I could summarize your advice, and it's maybe explore and do your own thing, but also stay connected. <laughs> yeah. So if someone's already done it, maybe relate it to that or just take that up on its own. And uh, yeah, thanks. I've seen talks by the, the frictionless people and Matt Jones's name has come up a few times and Chris also definitely. So those are great recommendations, Chris. Thank sure. you. All right, folks, so that's it for today. I'm Donnie Winston, and I hope you join me again next time for machine-centric science. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, Donnie.